Well, can you believe it? We're in fourth term of 2023 and in the run-up to Christmas, we've got a whole bunch of things happening, one of which is we are going through the seven uh, churches in Revelation 2 and 3. But before I begin, can you just remember and remind your group that on the 4th of November, we've got a men's meet and meet outreach dinner with a guest speaker who is a pilot from uh, an Air Force pilot who's turned chaplain. And that's going to be really great to hear him. And that will be a dinner at the Lauriton United Services Club on the 4th of November. On the 11th of November, we have a prayer morning on the Saturday and really aiming to get as many people praying as possible. And we will see the importance of prayer as we look at Revelation, but we know the importance of prayer anyway. We always need to be reminded of that. Well, looking at the study for this week, we have always, you'll find that the studies are all very similar and the structures of the studies match the structure of the letters. The letters are very similar in their structure and so where they are different to what they have been, as we'll find some of the churches have different, uh, have things left out, then those things are actually highlighted and we're going to have to look at those carefully. But we're looking at Ephesus, which is chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. So I've asked each week if you can read chapter 1 and I recommend that you read that in the group out loud every single week, chapter 1, hearing that over and over again because it's the description of Jesus in particular in, Gen- in Revelation chapter 1 that comes up over and over again in chapters 2 and 3, but also throughout the whole letter. So it's the foundation for reading the letter. It's also a reminder that blessed are the ones who read aloud the words of this letter and who take to heart the words of this letter. And so we want to be reminded that this is a blessing to hear this. The second question is read Revelation 2, 1 to 7. And the first question to ask in that is how is Jesus described? And we find Jesus described, uh, it begins there, sorry, in chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel in the church of Ephesus write. And the angel could be a messenger, because angel just means messenger. And so it could be the like the envoy or the delivery boy for the letter or it could be the senior minister to the angel, the senior minister of the church, that could be it. Or it could be, just as it says, the angel in the sense that an angel is assigned to each and every congregation and in some sense has responsibility and involvement there. So that could be the case and that is the sort of thing that apocalyptic literature like Revelation would say. Or we'll be seeing more of that as we go through. Now the thing about Ephesus, Ephesus was an important business port and a point of transition for our dignitaries and the like and traders. Uh, there was a big uh, a port there and over time uh, this became a very important and busy town, uh, lots of business there. However, at the same time, the bay was silting up and if you go there today, the bay is totally silted up and it's all gone. And In fact, it's just rubble and um, ruins there now, although they've done a lot of excavation and rebuilding. Uh, nobody lives there. It's a place where people visit and um, it's it's a very important um, historic site, but it's dead. And so in some sense, Ephesus was a place that had a reputation uh, of being an important place. 
uh, but it couldn't survive on its reputation. And that's what we're going to see that this Ephesus Ephesian church is in danger of as well. The description of Jesus uh, in verses one uh, in verses one there is that he is the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now the seven stars are talked about in chapter one and verse twenty, and the seven stars are the seven angels. So we've got to the angel, but then. Jesus is holding the seven angels as well. And also he's the one that walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now the question is why lampstands? We know lampstands from chapter 1, because you've read chapter 1, are churches. And why are churches called lampstands? I think that is because lampstands give light to the world. And the, the mission method and uh, plan of Jesus is to see his word uh, moved into the world through the churches. There is no other plan. That is the only plan. His plan is with our little group in the Camden Haven to be a light to the nations, to be a light to those around us. Hence, we are a lampstand, a light to the world. What is the encouragement that Jesus gives to Ephesus? Well, it it's, it's quite good. Like they've, they've got deeds and hard work and perseverance. They can't tolerate wicked people. They've tested the, uh, those who claim to be apostles but aren't. They've persevered. They've endured hardships and have not grown weary. They're a faithful, loyal and dedicated uh, group of people. Uh, uh, something to aspire to, really. He encourages them. But he doesn't want them to turn away from that at all. He thinks that's really great. The one, the the ones who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. Well, there's some possibilities there. That could be um, a whole lot of options. It could be some Jewish um, teachers there, or it could be the Nicolaitans. And the Nicolaitans are a group in in the uh, first century that all the churches were having difficulty with, especially in these two chapters of Revelation. And Nicolaitans is where we get the term Nike from, and it means overcomers, that sort of thing. So it could be sort of an overcoming type of Christianity, a very triumphalist and victorious type of Christianity that um, in some ways doesn't recognise the overlap of the age, the now and the not yet, and sees that maybe we are further along than we actually are. But anyway, you can uh, look up that and check that out for yourself. The warning that comes in, however, is very, very serious, isn't it? He holds this against them. They've forsaken their first love. Consider how far you have fallen. The how far you have fallen has that sort of sense of, uh, look how far away from the love of God that you are. Look, look how you're not loving anymore. Uh, that's a very serious thing. So other passages in the Bible say if we have not love, we're nothing. So 1 Corinthians 13. I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love and can fathom all sorts of things and have great wisdom, but have not love. I'm a clanging gong or a clanging cymbal. So have a look at 1 Corinthians 13 for that one. So here is a, a loyal, faithful, dedicated, doctrinally pure church, and yet they've lost their first love uh, love of who might be the question. What is this first love for? Is it love for God? Is it love for others? Is it love for the world? Well, that's a good question for you to talk through in your group and 
it would be interesting to hear what you come up with in that. The exhortation is to uh, uh, to repent and do the things they did at first. Uh, so what are the things they did at first? That's the question. Well, that's got a lot to do with what we've determined uh, losing their first love is. If it's their love for God, then maybe it's to repent and and love God again. If it's love for others, love others again. If it's love for the world, love the world again. And when I might say love for the world, not love for worldliness, but love of the world in an evangelism type of thinking. He finishes with an incentive, and the incentive is whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. Uh, there is Sorry, the first one is repent. There's the incentive. Uh, repent, and the incentive is, sorry, I, I will... I will come to you and remove your lampstand. So that's pretty serious. You will not be a church anymore. Uh, if you do hear, then you'll be able to eat, have the right to eat from the tree of life, um, which is in the paradise of God. So just think through all of these things. Ask the question, what is the church doing well, is question three. And how would what do you think he would say to our church? How are we going in that? How might the warning to this church apply also to us? Question five. What would it look like for this church to repent? What would it look like for our church to repent? Now think through, if you say that the the forsaking of the first love is forsaking of love of God, then what would it look like to repent? How would a church show its love for God better? Likewise, if losing first love is love for one another, then what would repentance look like in loving one another? If if this first love is loving the community in an evangelism type love, then repenting would mean what? What would that look like for the church to repent and do the things it did at first? I actually have a view on what that what that love is and what that repentance is, but I'll share that with you on Sunday because it'd be good for you to think all of that through. Uh, uh, question six is what is the incentive offered to this church and how should how should this be an incentive to us as a church? Well, the incentive there is to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, which is in some sense to be experiencing now the, uh, the joys and wonders of, uh, of, of, of heaven. And depending on which love you choose that that first love is, that they have forsaken and that we need to make sure we haven't and repent, uh, then it will be aligned there with what it is to eat from the tree of life. Question seven is pray that God would show you where we are falling short as a church and pray that we would repent and change. This is the application to the passage. Uh, so we really think, we really need to see that these letters to the churches are letters to us. Uh, we can't say, imagine if what would Jesus say if he wrote us a letter? Well, this is the letter he's written us, and we now have to think carefully. Question eight, pray that God would show you where we are doing well as a church. Pray that we would be humble and keep going in that. Well, uh, this is the first one back for the term, and you can see that I'm a bit uh, tardy because it's gone to 11 minutes and 27 seconds. That's the longest one. So, uh, yes, any questions, please just email me and I will do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. May your first week back at Bible study in Term 4 be truly a blessing. See ya.